You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. If you will take your Bibles, we're looking at Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14, and we'll read a few verses here at the end of this chapter. And how many are glad to be alive tonight? Say amen. 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 Well, I think that's most of us. Amen. And I'm worried about those who aren't happy to be alive. But nonetheless, how many need something from the Lord? Say amen. amen. And uh, I need something from God. And this is something that God has dealt with me about. Numbers chapter 14, we'll begin reading in verse number 40. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. And we'll read a few verses here and then give a... Um, a little bit of background about this portion of Scripture, and then we'll talk about the message here tonight. Numbers chapter 14 and verse number 40. Um, and let me be, just begin by saying where we're at right now in Numbers chapter 14 is we're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And uh, familiar to some, but this is the location where the children of Israel ostensibly were about to enter into the promised land. It was the place that God had led them to, uh, throughout the wilderness, crossing the Red Sea out of Egypt, uh, down through different places on their journey, and they finally arrived at the gates of Canaan. And God told Moses to send out spies to go out and look at the land, and Moses sent them out. And of course, you know the song, Ten Were Bad and Two Were Good. And, uh, you know, they, they talk about the good and the good of the land, and then they said the word nevertheless. And the last message that I preached was on that one word, Nevertheless, and uh, they, they, they then went into all the negative things about it. And uh, there were some negative things that came to pass. But uh, after we read all those events that are taking place and God deals with his people and says what the consequences are going to be. And then at the end of the chapter, there are Numbers 14 and verse number 40. And the Bible says, and they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we'll go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord." Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. And let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to reveal the truth that you've revealed to me. I pray that you'd give me wisdom as I preach. I pray that you'd, uh, please, Lord, cleanse me of sin. I pray that you'd help me that, that every word would be heaven sent. I pray that at the end of this message, Lord, that we'd be able to obtain something from your word that we can apply to our lives each and every day. I pray that you'd use me, for I ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And I meant to start off the message with just saying thank you so much to our church family for being so good to my family. And I, I know that pastor says the same thing and the other staff members said the same thing, but we've had so many uh, cards that have come in and so many Christmas cards and so on and so forth. And we've honestly been overwhelmed 
And uh, we thank you so much for that in advance. Um, the message tonight that I'd like to give you is one word, and that one word is the word order. Can you say that with me? What is the word? Order. The word order. You know, the word order has several different definitions depending on which usage you're using of the word. The word order defined as the arrangement or disposition of people or things in relation to each other according to a particular sequence, a pattern, or a method. You know, I think of uh, one of my children can spend hours in their room all alone, no video games, no gadgets or devices, but she has these beads, and she likes to spend hours sorting those beads by color or by shape or whatever else because she likes them to be in her order that she has. I think of items in a pantry, you know, and, and, and you think of your pantry at your house, and it's like if I were to ask you if you could go to your pantry and get the sugar, you know, how, how difficult of a task would that be? Hopefully it wouldn't be too difficult that there would be some kind of order. And we all realize that some people's form of order may not be your form of order. I think of even uh, the books in my office on the shelf that's there, and my wife has graciously organized those books. But through the years, it's, that order has changed. And uh, it, originally it was based off of like, okay, this is for new Christians, this is for you know, looking up words, this is for this. But uh, I guess that didn't work out well, and so now they're in order of color sequence. So whatever colors the bindings are in, so oftentimes I'm looking, which book is it here, looking around, well, what color was the binding or whatever else. But uh, you know what's nice to have things in a place that you can find them later without having to look everywhere for them. Order also defined as a state in which the laws and rules regulating the public behavior of members of a community are observed and authority is obeyed. And that's kind of a novel idea, especially today. But let me just say this, order is important. Order is important to God. God is not the God of chaos. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, let all things be done decently and in order. So we know that if God is not the God of chaos, then what, uh, what is the author of chaos? And I would dare say that that's the devil. I believe that one of the devil's goals here in this life is to create disorder. Is to create disorder in the home. You say, how does he do that? By getting things out of order. There is an order that God says that a home should follow. But yet we try and get away from that as a world's philosophy or even as individuals. And then we try and have success without that form of order. And that success is ultimately doomed to failure because we're not following that order. Can you imagine in a home, and there are homes that are like this, where the children are the boss. And the children are the one that are running the home. And you wonder what's taking place here in the home. Well, you go and you look and the kids are the ones running it. That's disorder. You know what? The devil wants to cause disorder in a church. Hey, he wants to limit the uh, uh, effectiveness of a church by causing disorder. And I'm so glad that we don't serve in a church where there's a bunch of disorder. That there's a bunch of disgruntled folks who are upset and angry. And if it is, I'm not aware of it. But you know, we've got a church that's unified, that wants to go forward, that wants to do something for God, 
But that comes with order. The devil wants to cause disorder in America today. And you don't have to look too far to see that he's accomplishing that work. And though we look at it with, from within and see disorder, it's interesting to see what the other nations have said about America with everything that's taking place. And they say it's chaos, it's disorder that's taking place. And I again attribute that to the devil. So if God is a God of order and the devil wants to cause disorder, which of these words best describes your life currently? Order or disorder? Every area of our lives there should be an order. How many today would say, you know what, when I start a project or when I uh, you know, get those wonderful Christmas presents for our children or whatever it is, your grandkids or whatever, and there, there's that huge box that's there that's full of all these parts. And you say, you know what, I'm one of the ones that opens one of those boxes and pulls out that little sheet that's called instructions that's in like five different languages, and I just set that to the side and try and figure it out on my own. How many would say that? Okay, a few of us in here today. And uh, you know what often happens when I do that? I think, you know what, I can look at the picture and I can make it look mostly like that. A lot of times what happens is I spend more time trying to figure it all out, get frustrated, and then go back to the instruction manual and try and figure out what I did wrong. Either that or I just say, you know what, it looks close enough. We'll just, we'll just let it work. But you know what, sadly, that's how a lot of us try and live our lives. We have God's instruction manual for our lives, but yet we just kind of put that to the side and says, I have a picture of what I desire and how I want to see things happen. And we just try, kind of try life out along the way and try and make it through. And then when we falter and fail, then we say, okay, well, let me turn back and try and do it God's way, which is exactly what happened here in this portion of Scripture. You say, well, I want to try and figure it out on our own. I want to do it my own way. And that's the typical individual, I think, how they view life today is my own way. Trying to do things on our own. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, I see in the Bible an order for revival. If my people, who does it begin with? The unsaved? Who does it begin with? Politicians or elected officials? He says, if my people, which are called by my name, and it goes on to say instructions or recipes for revival, how we can experience it. But I think all too often we want revival and we pray for revival and we desire revival. But yet the instructions are here that we don't take seriously. But God has given us an order for revival. And then the Bible says, after you've done these things, I'll hear from heaven. The, God, the Bible gives us not only an order for revival, it gives us an order for receiving. You know, uh, in life with Christmas time, I like to receive. How many are with me? You like to receive, amen? And uh, somebody giving you a gift, amen, with no strings attached. And, uh, uh, but I like to get those kind of things. I like to receive. But you know what? The Bible says there's an order for receiving. There's an order for you to be blessed in your life. And what is that? Give, and it shall be given unto you. But yeah, we like to say, you know what? I like to receive, but let me just try and figure it out on my own how I can receive more. But we're missing the instructions that God has given. He says, first of all, to give. 
hey, and then after you give, guess what? God's going to give back and you can't outgive God. There's an order for revival, an order for receiving. You know what? There's an order for reaping. You know, our, our, our theme for this year is souls. And I hope that amongst COVID, we haven't lost our theme for the church. And I believe the devil, if he could in his power, would shut the mouths of Christians. And I think sometimes in some areas he has. But you know what? The order for reaping, he that goeth forth, you have to go and weepeth. Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. There's an, an order for reaping. Hey, you think of even farmers or you think of whatever job that you entail, there's an order a process for the things that you do. Can you imagine trying to farm and trying to grow a harvest and you're saying, you know what, there's all these weeds, but you know what, these weeds will actually maybe help my plants. And so you just, and, and then you say, hey, the plant's got to be watered and I know the instructions say this, but you know what, I, I don't think I want to follow that instruction manual and rather than getting the weeds out, rather than preparing the soil, and it's going to need water, let me just water the ground to begin with. And I'm just going to water it really, really well. And then, you know what, uh, when I get around to it, I'm going to plant some seeds. And it's already been watered, and the weeds are there. But you know what, it'll grow, right? Everything will take place. No, there's an order that has to take place if you want to grow crops. Looking back at this portion of Scripture, let me ask you this question. Do the children of Israel obey God and start their journey into the promised land? And I'm careful how I ask that because the initial answer is no. But yet what we just read in verse number 40, it says, and they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, say, lo, we be here and we'll go up into the place which the Lord had promised. So they're ready to go. Hey, they say, hey, they not only were ready to go, they woke up early in the morning. Hey, so they're up wide awake Early in the morning, whatever time that is, they go up to the mountain and said, hey, we're here. Hey, we're ready to go. But there was one problem, the order. You see, God had already told the children of Israel to go. And they sent out spies as God had instruction. When they came back, they said, hey, you know what? I don't think we're going to go. I don't think that we're going to make it. There was some unbelief that took place. There was some disobedience that took place. And so God had to give them a consequence. And he told them, hey, here's what's going to happen. Those 20 and a half and older are going to, there's this consequence for those who murmured and complained. And you're going to die in the wilderness. And everybody's going to have to wander for 40 years throughout this wilderness. And guess what happened? All of a sudden they said, I think I'll obey God now. But it was too late. Do you know, there's a time in our lives that we know what God commands us to do. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and says, hey, this is what I have for your life. But we say, you know what? Not right now. And all of a sudden, the consequences start coming. One after the next. We don't follow God's instruction for our families. Our families begin to fail. And then we say, hey, wait a second. Hey, God, I'm ready. But the consequence has already been issued. Hey, hey, God, we want revival in America. And, and all of a sudden we get serious about it and say, hey, you know what, we've got to do something. We've got to wake up as Christians. But the consequence has already been issued. And the instruction that God gave to them was to go. And you know what, they murmured, they complained, they did things in their lives. 
The problem was not that they didn't know what to do. The problem was not that they didn't have the ability to do what God had told them to do. The problem was what they thought it was going to be different than what they saw. They had different expectations, if you will, of what the promised land was going to be. That maybe they wouldn't have to fight any more battles. That maybe they wouldn't have to fully rely on God to provide all of their needs. And so they decided, you know what? Let's go back to Egypt because life was so grand there. And forgetting that they had cried and complained, which led God to give them a deliverer in the first place. Have you ever thought about throwing in the towel? Have you ever thought about going back to Egypt? About quitting on God? About quitting on Bible reading? About quitting on church? Because you said, hey, when I started to follow God, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I thought there would be no more battles. I thought God was going to fight for us. But let me just say this. Hey, God is going to fight with you. And they had the ability. They had the knowledge. They knew what to do. But for whatever reason, they decided, no, we're not going to do it. The problem is, is that they didn't obey what God had told them to do right when he told them to do it. In chapter 14 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it ere uh, be that they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? You know what? I don't want God to ever look at my life and say, How long? Is he going to provoke me? How long is he going to not have faith? How long is he not going to believe? And I always think in my mind, well, the children of Israel saw the Red Sea rise up. And the children of Israel saw uh, water out of a rock. And the children of Israel saw these miracles. And they saw more than I have. But, you know, they didn't have the word of God. They didn't know that more sure word of prophecy that the Bible says. And you know what? God has done miracles in our lives as well. But yet we still disobey and don't believe. They're not doing what they were told to do was not only an act of disobedience, but also an act of unbelief. You could say that even though God did great miracles, the people still did not believe. They still lack faith. But wait, before we get down on them, think of all the miracles that God has done in your life. All the answers to prayer that God has showed up in our lives and you, you, you still wonder if God's able to help us or if God's able to provide in our specific situation. And let me just say wholeheartedly, God is still able. The Lord's hand is not waxed short. God is still God today, the, the God of yesterday, today, and forever. Hey, he still is ready to provide and he's still ready to give us exactly what we need in our lives. But what does it take? It takes for us to believe. It takes it for us to say, hey, I'm willing to fight for what's right. I'm willing to fight when God deals with me about a situation. I asked my Sunday school class this this last week, but let me ask you this question. If you had children or you had subordinates, and I think of children specifically, and you say, hey, you know what? I would like for you to take out the garbage. When did you want that garbage taken out? Before I said it, right? If I'm saying it, then it means it should have already been done, amen? But you know what? As much as I can say that, we can laugh and say, hey, that's relatable. That is me and God. And God is asking, when are you going to take out the trash? Meaning it should have already been taken out. 
When are we in our lives going to get serious about the things of God? God told the children of Israel what to do. And in chapter 14, in verse number 2, the children of Israel murmured. In verse number 4, they talked about making a captain to march back to the land of Egypt. In verse number 10, they spoke of stoning the very people who were trying to convince them to follow God. And what caused them to finally obey? When he told them the consequences for not obeying. Wouldn't it be nice in life if we got to find out the consequences beforehand and just said, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'll just live life and then I'm going to be faced with the consequences and then decide, hey, is this worth it or not? But that's not how life is. Life is you know a lot of times what the consequences are, but even if you don't, we should still follow God and what he has for our lives. We must obey God to avoid facing the consequences. Yet sometimes we don't turn to God until the consequences come. I just have two points. They're very fast. The first one is, listen to what God is saying. It's important to know the voice of God. When is the last time that the Holy Spirit spoke to you in your lives? If it's been a little while, then you know what? We need to ask God, hey, please speak to me. Hey, let me just say this. He still speaks. Hey, uh, there's a song that says uh, uh, the words are amidst the hustling, clamoring world. Sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God speaking to my soul. But in my quiet time alone, when I approach his holy throne, his tender words fall gently on my ear. He still speaks. I know his voice, sweeter sound, never heard by mortal ear. And to think that God, by his own choice, would speak to me, it makes me rejoice. He still speaks. I know his voice. The question is, do you know his voice here today? Maybe it's been a little while that you said, hey, when is the last time God spoke to me? Maybe it's been a little while. If it has been, it's time to say, hey, God, please speak to me once again. Listen to what God is saying. How can God speak, hey, through our Bible reading? Hey, how can God speak through our quiet time alone and our prayer? How can God speak, hey, through preaching? But you know what? We have to have a prepared heart if that's going to happen. We can't be sitting during a service and thinking about everything that's going to take place that's easy to do. Everything that's going to take place this week and what I forgot to do at work today and what's going to happen tomorrow and so on and so forth and get our minds off of things that are happening during the service. We need to come to the service and say, hey God, I need something tonight. Please speak to my heart. You know what? God will. But we have to come ready to listen. Hey, number one, listen. Number two is to just do what he's told you to do. You know what? Not just listen, but do what he asks us to do. If God were to speak to your heart tonight and say, hey, I want you to stop doing something or to start doing something, what would your answer be? I hope it wouldn't be the case that God speaks to our hearts and we're in a place where God can speak. And then we say, you know what? There's some battles ahead. You know, what? there's some giants down that road. I can see the walled cities. I can see the giants. I can see that the people are strong down there. So you know what? I think I'll not go that route. And then what comes next? The consequences. There are always consequences when we don't follow God's word. And the consequences come and then what happens in our lives? Sometimes it's when we hit rock bottom. 
I hope that's not the case, but then the consequences come. And we turn back and say, hey, wait a second. Hey, I'll obey. I'll do what's right. But you know what? It's too late. I want to obey God when he speaks to my heart and do what he's told me to do. For these folks here in this passage, you say, you said it's too late. Well, I guess that means it's all over. No, if we're still breathing today, then God still has a plan for your life. But you know what? It'd be so much better if we just follow right away. Don't wait for the consequences. Where does a ruined life begin? It begins with God no longer speaking to your heart. It begins when church attendance, it begins with Bible reading, it begins when prayer just becomes a check mark on the box. We can know, rest assured, that we're headed for destruction. The Bible says many things. It says one of the verses is, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But what's the consequence? But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. But the question is, will you obey his voice? You know what? The children of Israel, again, we use them. Why is the Bible written? Why is the Old Testament written? You know what? It's written for an example for us. So that we don't make the same mistakes. What happened in this portion of Scripture? Did they do what God told them to do? Yes, they did. But when did they do it? In the wrong timing. Hey, God told them to do it. They murmured. They complained. But all of a sudden, God told them, hey, guess what? Here's what's going to happen now because of that. And then all of a sudden, they said, hey, we've sinned. We've done wrong. Let's go up at once. And they went up, but God wasn't with them. You know what? I'd rather have God with me. And how are we going to do that is to obey his voice. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.